Hey everyone, we're back with a super cool episode for you with another guest from the modern metal scene who we think you love. So today, you've got George, you've got Tom, you've got Kyle, and you've got another podcast coming. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Very well executed. So Kyle, what you drinking over there, man? I'm drinking some cold brew, some uh, Joe Bean cold brew. It's a Rochester place, and uh, my girlfriend works at a kombucha company, and they make it over there. Hell and, yeah. Uh, I get it for free on Sundays. Very cool. Very cool, man. Oh, man. Ashley loves kombucha. Dude, they. Uh, I typically am not a fan of kombucha, but I will say that Catbucha in Rochester, they make a killer kombucha. Catbucha. That's a new one. Okay. They have cats? No cats. The owner's name is Cat. Ah, there's also there's also Cambrucha, which is the uh, (laughs) more alcoholic variant that actually slaps the Cambrucha. Yeah, I've actually never had hard Kombucha. I would love to try that, though. It is very good. I I have to say of all like the hard drinks that are out there, Cambrucha is definitely on the better side. Okay, I'm going to pick some up. What about you, T? Oh, uh, seltzer, black cherry. You liking it bubbly today? Uh, yeah, getting a little, uh, just like something. I because I, I drank a lot last night when I got you home. You so. both. Yeah, man. Me too. So, so yeah, that was that's always fun. <laughs> I'm on team coffee with Kyle right now. Nice. Got a little Starbucks espresso roast. Very nice. Oh, let's go. Fuck yeah, you. man, like dead ass. So, um, I had I I went out for breakfast this morning with Ashley. We got some. Uh, I, I had coffee there, so I'm pretty stacked on caffeine right now. That feels this good. Too much caffeine thing you speak of. I haven't experienced that yet. So, guys, we got Kyle Beam over here from a band that's tearing up the modern death metal scene, Undeath. And you know what, Kyle? It's so cool that when you first started messaging us, we didn't even know you. And we were talking. And at some point, I think you brought up that you were in a band and I said, Oh, what's your band called? You told me on death. And I said, wait, I know that band. That band's fucking cool, man. <laughs> so now here we are and we're thrilled to have you. Cheers. Thank Cheers, you guys gentlemen. for having me on. It yeah. is an okay. honor to have you. Thank you for being here. No doubt. dude. So this is like, uh, this is my favorite podcast for sure. Oh my God. Thank you. That's a real pleasure. Ah, cheers. Cheers. Hell yeah. Fucking hey, dude. That's so flattering. Yeah. Well, Hey, we must be doing something right. If someone's listening and someone enjoys it. So cheers. That's awesome. Thanks, Kyle. Of course. Of course. Yeah. That said, man, tell the listeners, I know that maybe not every listener might be a death metal person, but a lot of them are. And Rob Halford himself, he loves death metal, black metal, extreme metal. So there's plenty of metal heads who are into the whole range. So, hey, man, take it away. And for the listeners who don't know, give them the lowdown on Undeath. Hell yeah. Well, Undeath is a death metal band, uh, as you mentioned. Late, Very late 2018, we formed and we put our first demo in like uh, very early 2019, maybe like february i want to say march something like that we're a death metal band inspired by like the classic late 80s 90 records like the early death stuff early autopsy stuff uh and beyond as well like uh none so vile is like a really big like uh influence 
you know, Cryptopsy album, Cannibal Corpse, obviously, like their whole spectrum of music. I mean, all death metal that has come out since like 1986 is like kind of an influence on the band in a way. On our new, your we Morbid new... Angel shirt right now. Yeah, oh, yeah. Morbid Angel, of course, of course. Fucking Huge influence classics. on the band. Of course. And as it relates to this podcast, uh, I think on the newer record and like the sort of direction we've been trying to take it is like our song structure and writing and stuff is way more inspired by like Priest and and more classic heavy metal and shit like that. So where do you think that influence comes out the most in the guitar playing? Sometimes we've been doing some more like dual harmony, like leads, like kind of ideas like that. But mostly I think in the arrangements, uh, like so like, you know, like the, the structure of the song and like having more like of like a main hook and like a chorus and like a verse and shit like that. Man, would, I got to say like major third harmonic leads are the superior guitar harmony, in my opinion. Yeah, dude, playing in uh, thirds, nice to bomb. Yeah, dude, yep. thirds is the shit. Thirds is the best harmony, and like fifths is the worst. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <hell> yeah. <laughs> Man, you guys are right on the same page guitar wise. Yeah, I listen. I, I, my guitar knowledge, uh, you know, as I always say, I know more than some, less than others. <laughs> You're modest, ain't that just? The I way. like it. Yeah. <laughs> But I say that all the time, ain't that just the way? That's awesome. Thank you, George. I, I try. Uh, I I I, uh, I don't like. I don't care for boasting. It's good to have a little modesty. It's better than arrogance. And we can do the boasting for you. We can let Kyle do the boasting for our show. And we can do the boasting for his band. Because Hell yeah. I think but I mean, we it, probably it goes... aren't going to say anything he hasn't already heard. Because the new Undeath album came out two months ago. And Twitter has been blowing up about it. And if you are remotely interested in death metal, you've probably already heard the new Undeath album. But if you haven't checked it out yet, then it's a really good time to give something new a shot. I appreciate that, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, no doubt, man. So, yeah, I would have to ask you at this point, what parts of Priest music were the most influential on you? Like, would you say the playing of Tipton Downing or what is it like the sort of songwriting, how they diversify it? What makes them such a special band to you? It's it's all of those things for sure. Uh, it's actually the sick bass lines. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh no, I'm just kidding. Anyway, uh, we ha- we have fun. We have fun. You have to. You have to. Uh, I-, I think that all three of those things really like like uh, it's not necessarily like we don't sit down like our riffs are like death metal riffs. You know, they're not really like classic rock based riffs. They're not necessarily like pentatonic based uh, shit like that. 
but it's more about like just like how they combine them like the the shifts in like tempo and also like rob halford whoever writes the like the majority of the lyrics just they just they're like so good at putting the most badass parts on the most badass parts of the song if that makes sense mm-hmm. like the most badass words on like the most on the like the best part of the song and yeah like, uh, they true. emphasize like the lyrics emphasize the music and just elevate it to a transcendent level yeah and vice versa too it's like in the music really like takes the the lyrics and like the singing up a notch too it's just like all just like works so well together um, yeah yeah like a cohesive unit yeah man i hear painkiller he says faster than a laser bullet louder than an atom bomb i just like get like full body chills uh, by the time he gets bright to brighter than a thousand suns i'm like it's like oh so this is what it's like to look into the eyes of a god <laughs> that's sick <laughs> i love the part kyle where you said that he knows how to fit the words to the music that's being played to convey the right kind of mood like you listen to a song like the sentinel and when they sort of scale it down musically you get this verse from halford the now facing one another just the way that he writes it he helps take the song down not just musically but also vocally and then later he brings it back up with that scream and the seeds of death he's sown so i think i'm getting what you're putting down and yeah that's a really good point dude absolutely i mean like I, I guess he died. I just had to look at the lyrics because he never says, but like you're right in that part. It's like, yeah, the whole song just comes down and like the lyrics kind of come down and get like way more descriptive. And he's like talking about the standoff. The standoff eats at time. Yeah. You uh, feel the tension building in that entire section. Yeah, dude, that's really great songwriting. I mean, that song, I would literally put up most bands' discographies against the writing of just that one track, but like that song is fucking awesome. <laughs> Isn't it? Now, Kyle, we got to get your priest story, man. You got to tell us when was it? Where were you when you first heard the band? What did you hear? Tell us the whole deal. I feel like I probably have a way different story than most of the guests that have been on because I'm like younger and so are the hosts. So you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I, yeah, uh, we're, well, we're I not exactly. Too. We're not exactly the old guard here. This is true. You guys always talk about how old you are, and then your guests are like, no, nah, man, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. I got into extreme metal first when I was a kid. So, like, my dad, he's not, like, a metalhead by any means, but, you know, he used to listen to, uh, like, Priest and Sabbath and shit in, like, the 70s. And he would always try to show me, like, he tried. He got me, like, paranoid. And I was like, damn, this is not brutal. You know what I mean? This is not Cannibal Corpse. <laughs> so... I, I want to say he tried to show me uh, Judas Priest as well. I, ca- I can't remember, but I, that's definitely got to be around the time I first heard them. And I did not like it. I did not really get into Priest until I was about 22. I'm 27 now. And I was just getting into a lot of like traditional metal at that time. I was getting really into like Manila Road and like Men of War, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, just a bunch of shit like that. Brock is Helm, Sabotage. But of course, Priest is like best band so like they uh they stick around a lot longer in your head and they have a vast discography so yeah we talk about this something in there for everyone we we talk about this sometimes too hey hattie hattie you made it what's going on yo i was looking i forgot that it's like um 11 30 almost holy crap time yeah (laughs) Uh, well nice to nice of you to finally join us 
Yeah. Kyle was just to. telling us uh, his Judas Priest story. Oh, okay. Please continue. I'm here. So, like, what I was saying before is that, like, it is interesting that it seems like a lot of people have this experience with priests, and we just spoke about this on our our last episode. It feels like collectively people have this moment of like it doesn't hit them immediately with priests. It takes a few subsequent listens for it to really start, like the gears start turning. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, I get it now. Gotcha. Yeah. And then when you go from your first priest album to your second priest album, you might've picked two that didn't come out nearby each other. And you might've gotten two entirely different Judas priests. So it also takes a little bit to sink in that, okay, this is a band that changes and they did a lot of shit and maybe not all of it's for me but maybe I'll keep exploring because there's other good stuff. I think that younger people do have a more hard time like thinking about a band that way, a band that's been around for like so long. Like you just don't have like a good grasp on time when you're 15 or whatever. You know what I mean? So right. I don't know. Uh, yeah, but it's existed longer than you have as a person. And you know what? The music scene now isn't what it was five years ago or 10 years ago. There's it's always shifting. It is yeah, really you're... funny to me when people say, like, they'll hear a song on the radio and they're like, oh, man, that song is so old. And it's only came out like three years ago. And when I think of like old music, man, I'm thinking like, nah, bro, like old is like 30 plus years. Like yeah, that's AC/DC old for a song. Old. Yeah, Bruno man. Bruno Mars fucking, is not old. Yeah, Bruno Mars ain't old, dude. Fucking like Leonard Skinner is old. Deep Purple is old. Flow Rida is not old music. And yet I feel like Deep Purple has aged better than Flow Rida's music probably will <laughs> over the next 50 years. We all agree on that one, bro. Oh, 100%. <laughs> God, have you listened to Highway Star recently? I'll never forget. You know like, what? Me and George. I actually listened to Highway Star for the first time recently. No I'm getting shit. into Deep Purple. Yep. yep. I skipped all, like all like old rock music. Uli John Roth, I didn't know who that was until wow. recently, dude. Dude, that's so cool that like you had that experience. Like most people don't start with extreme metal, you know, like you start at like Led Zeppelin or Black Sabbath and then work your way up from there. You you actually went in reverse, which is a really, I think, a unique experience. Were you is ridiculous. that extremity initially? Because some people really want that. They want to go as deep as they can. So, like, well, I was really into, like, uh, Disturbed and, like, Corn and shit when I was, like, a really young kid because that was, like, what was on the radio and shit. Yeah, that's a good and, starting point, too. Yeah, hell yeah, dude. I mean, I still, like, Disturbed is obviously a cringeworthy, terrible band, but whoever the producer on 10,000 Fist was wrote them some really good songs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you know what? If you have enough beers in you, you might just want to shout those choruses. 
And yeah. don't pretend that you won't want to. Oh yeah, are to. you serious, dude? Absolutely, absolutely. Are you are you telling me that like your inner angsty teenager doesn't immediately start screaming when you hear stricken? Exactly. I mean, what dude, if, that's an awesome song. <laughs> <laughs> if I was it's playing Tony so Hawk's Pro Skater and Liberate Your Mind, you motherfucker, came on the playlist, <laughs> yeah, I'd be yeah. jamming. I'm not gonna sit here and lie to you. Nah, man. Nah, dude, that all. song has a guitar solo. Hell yeah! It's like, like a real guitar one of the solo. very one of the very few butt rock songs from that era I can think of that has a guitar solo. So it's, yeah. it's cool in that regard. True. Mm. Definitely helps it stand out that they like at least like at one point they were like among those bands like um, Shadows Fall at the time that were actually doing guitar solos. I guess guitar solos were not very in vogue for them about 2001 no, for- to like 2005, maybe. I'm not going off on that tangent. That's yeah. that's that's going to be a Twitter one day. <laughs> All right. So that was a real fun sidebar about Disturbed. Uh, where were we? Oh, we're uh, supposed to be talking about Judas Priest. This is also true. This is also true. <laughs> not that I care. I mean, we've done episodes before where we just don't talk about Priest at all. We can really just kind of talk about anything but yeah, we probably we could, should but i think we i think we, we should get the jawbreaker i was just gonna say we probably sh- we probably should go and go to jawbreaker <laughs> yeah now. but uh, i don't I think we've talked about jawbreaker at all before that uh <laughs> dude kyle you got any great experiences or stories seeing judas priest live no dude i've never seen them i was actually really excited to listen to your podcast about uh seeing them on the 50 heavy metal years tour I oh my god that turned out to be really good oh thank oh you. yeah dude we had so much fun making that one we used all audio clips from the actual show mm. and that YouTube video we found where someone filmed the whole thing. Surprisingly really good. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to, I've been meaning to watch that concert. I was going to watch it yesterday, but didn't get around. Yeah. To it. Put it on YouTube on the biggest TV in your house, grab some drinks and the strongest weed you got and have some fun, man. Yeah. That's what that we was did. the plan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we, that's exactly what that show is still like. I think it's like permanently seared into the retinas. That's you know cool. yeah man like that was a great experience and watching it again and being refreshed and still getting the same sort of like joy out of it was very special that's so nice dude i love concerts and love music they're good for your soul they are they sure they, are yeah it's like milkshakes just good for you oh so good for you dude <laughs> uh, it's kind of like similar i mean metal music is definitely bad for your ears yes <laughs> but great for your soul yeah <laughs> great for your soul yeah yeah and uh, that's a great segue into motherfucking defenders of the faith what a goddamn album yeah one of my favorites kyle how does it rank up for you is it one of your favorites uh, as well it, it was my first favorite i don't know if it's still my my main favorite it probably is it's it's got most of my favorite songs you know it's like i can't there are no bad songs on the record it's one of their one of their records that hasn't bad songs uh we we really might awesome some, I, we might have some shit to talk about heavy duty defenders of the faith but oh come on i heard the last episode you guys were talking shit on fucking united too i was so pissed <laughs> off oh we're gonna we're gonna fight kidding. me and tom yeah and i'm gonna win the best ones are the ones where we don't agree yeah, I, mean, I, know, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, Defenders of the Faith is growing on me for sure. Like I was just listening to Jawbreaker before we started this episode, and while it's still not my favorite Priest album, like my opinion is is gradually shifting. 
I just I love the production on this record. It's mm. so like warm. Like, like there's almost like no attack yeah. in the guitars, like picking and everything. It's so nice sound. Yeah, it's like they completely scooped the high, like the highs out of <laughs> yeah. their guitars. It's all <laughs> mid and low end, and it actually is kind of awesome. Like it's like it doesn't have a lot of crunch. It's very smooth. And yeah. I like the term use the term warm. It's almost like like lo-fi metal in a way dude it's like uh, it's like a bit of a blanket i feel like they really wanted to try because there's also like on jawbreaker especially in the beginning you can hear it there's slapback delay and i feel like they really wanted to try to capture this like outdoor in an arena like type sound of like it's reflecting off the walls of the arena and it's outside so you're missing the top end too wow that's an awesome Uh, perspective i think they sort of built this album for that because Anyone who's got the 30th anniversary edition of Defenders of the Faith, it's also on Spotify and all that jazz now. So, But on the physical version, they had a, two bonus discs of a full live show from the Defenders tour, and they played nine out of 10 Defenders songs in a 13,000-person arena, exactly like you're talking about, and they sounded friggin' awesome and a lot like on the record. So at the time, Judas Priest was becoming huge in America on the back of You've Got Another Thing Coming, and they knew that they wanted to really blow the roofs off these arenas. And I think the production style of Defenders does reflect that. You raise a great point there. I like that a lot. That all makes sense to me. Also, that concert- It was your idea. I just, uh, I just added to it. <laughs> there's Dude, this- when fucking rob is like we got thirteen thousand metal maniacs here tonight <laughs> exactly. like, yeah. Yeah. so cool anyway sorry yeah man there's like i don't know exactly what concert you guys are talking about but like i love like seeing priest live um both in my own experience and going on youtube and finding them and there's this one show where they're in an outdoor arena and there is an ocean of people you That's literally be festival 83. Yeah. You literally cannot see where the crowd ends. Like there are, there are people for miles in every direction. Like I would just, hate to be in that crowd. Seriously. <laughs> Especially at the front. You're not yeah. getting out for hours. No, dude. And if you have getting... to pee, you're pissing your pants, buddy. There's I was going to say, what do you do? You just shit and piss your pants. Yeah. basically. I guess you're saying peace. It's good. I mean, there's nothing more metal than like pissing yourself to not miss your favorite act. <laughs> fair enough fair enough very dedicated yeah man listen well what can you do i uh we, we just got done doing a little tour with dying fetus and like there was one night where this fucking stomach wall was ripping through everyone on the tour Ugh. and john gallagher is about to get on stage a singer guitar player for fetus and he's just like well i think that i just gotta do it and he just turns around and goes <laughs> and then he fucking got on stage and rocked it and then got off and threw up some more so. <laughs> what a story yeah <laughs> he seems like a Sometimes. pretty fun guy to me <laughs> dude yeah oh those guys are awesome they're all very very nice god very nice john guys. is peerless as a guitarist and as a song. it's true yeah. dude he knows so many priest riffs yeah it's he knows thing. like every fucking priest riff oh so cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, there You guys want to start up Jawbreaker? Hell yeah, let's let's get into it. Let's play let's it. Let's do it. Deadly as the viper, 
Okay, there's a lot to unpack just in that first 45 seconds we listened to. How are they cramming so much good riffage into that short a period of time? That's like a treasure trove. You're right. It is. I mean, it's got a sick intro. Also, they're doing so much with so little, too. It's just like three chords and yeah. like a little, a little lick into the chorus, basically. And then the chorus is like sort of a similar progression to the beginning so yeah man these guys do more in like eight bars than other bands do with like entire albums that's very true yeah also i just wanted to say the very beginning the very first opening like da 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 that is the only time in the entire song that you get the like e flat the like sixth fret on the uh on the a string and uh i don't know it's just kind of this weird little intro like uh with some borrowed notes yeah it's it's a cool part it's a good idea it fits so well like it's seamless it's not jarring it just goes with the song so well it's like a little bit of garnish right in the beginning oh yeah yeah and guys we've talked about like set list placement before and how your second song has a unique role it's gotta preserve the energy of the banger that you opened with. So Jawbreaker, it's the second song on Defenders. And on the Defenders tour, they played it second as well. Imagine you're just getting started. You're just getting warmed up in this concert. And then all of a sudden they hit you with, dan, 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 dan. you're going to feel it if you're there in the crowd. Shit, yeah. That seems to be a theme with Priest too, because last time we saw them, they played... Um... Lightning Strikes, which is the second sure. song off of uh, Firepower. And that was the second song they played on the tour. I mean, on the show that we saw. Yeah, they're a very experienced live act, and they really do know how to compose a good set list. I'll give them credit for that. Dude, I love your guys' like fucking set list and like album track analyzation. Thought about it, obviously. you When you're in a band, you have to think about that stuff, but maybe not as well as you guys think about it. Good job. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that, man. You are such a charmer. You know that? I bet you get that a lot, too. Uh, Parents love me. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Tom, you're a guitarist, too. Let me get your take on this riff. Like you said, Kyle, it's a relatively simple little lick, but it sounds so good. What do you think about it, Tom? Doesn't it just like scream heavy metal to you? Like, doesn't this like song and by extension, this entire album perfectly encompass heavy metal? Like, I don't know about you guys, but just hearing that those little, what are those um, eighth notes? Like hearing that is enough to just get you up out of your seat. Now I don't have, it shouldn't have been sitting in the first place, mind you, 
if well, you're I mean, at a priest show. Yeah, I mean, they had seats at the one we went to, and that was lame, but, you know. They had seats. We weren't sitting in them. We weren't sitting, though. Yeah, that's true. We were definitely not sitting. I will say that this song is fast. Yes. Not quite as fast as Free Will Burnin'. That one is, like, rippingly fast. But this song also... I've tried to find some live videos. Unfortunately, there are very few live videos of this track of yeah. Jawbreaker. There's one from like 2000 and uh, it's it's pretty recent. I think it's from the 2010s because uh, Richie Faulkner is in it. But uh, yeah, they that start was, the song. Uh, Vakken. Yes, yes, the Vakken one. They start the song. They do the little intro, and then counting happens, and it's like so slow. And Richie Faulkner in this video, you can see him. He looks over at uh, Glenn Tipton, and he's like does this little face and then they just start playing the song and it's like so fucking slow it's kind of kind of sad it's kind of jarring <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that's around but the time the best part of that version though is that scott travis embellishes a lot and if you're paying attention to the drums he's doing some really good shit yeah that's very true that's very true he also throws the sticks in the air a lot which is badass so cool man like just to give himself <laughs> like that like dude nothing is a challenge for this guy so it's like he has to like artificially like make it interesting for himself. That's also that's showmanship. And that's another reason why he's just such a good, damn good drummer. Yeah. So let's hear these lyrics. Deadly as the viper, peering from its coil. I wonder what they could be talking about there. The poison there is coming to a boil. Ticking like a time bomb, the fuse is running short, on the verge of snapping if it's caught. Listeners, do y'all, uh, y'all know the deal with this song? Yeah, I was about to ask you, what is this song about? Well... I've read the interpretation I think you're going to talk about. All right, but by all means, let's hear it. Going to quote something that I read on K.K. Downing's website. I stumbled upon an article series that was written about the history and analysis of several songs. It was written by one of K.K. Downing's good friends, so I'll give credit where it's due. It's on his website if you want to look it up. And he says that The lyrics spoke of another monster gathering up its strength and preparing to attack. Very likely, this was the Metallion pictured on the cover of Defenders of the Faith. Oh, interesting. This was, to some extent, almost a secondary title track for the Defenders of the Faith album, if you consider that the Metallion on the cover also represents a priest fan defending the faith. That is some really sweet analysis. Yep. So okay, that's bad. That's more cool and wholesome than the one than what I was thinking. That's also it, like, yeah, I think is, that sounds now cool. listen, that's the face value interpretation of the lyrics. We know that Rob Halford loves his double entendres. Mm-hmm. And this is very clearly a song about getting your dick sucked 
so hard that <laughs> you come in someone's mouth and it breaks their jaw. <laughs> Is that I can see this? I can see that. That's like on songmeetings.com. I'm like reading some of that right now. Oh, word. I can see that. I can so, also see like where maybe because it's obviously a song about being frustrated, right? And like yeah, you're but- like, oh, I'm gonna snap on the verge of snapping if it's caught. I just feel like it could be about in some way, like being like Rob being like closeted for like very long time. He's like becoming more and more frustrated and he's like going to fucking go crazy. I've always thought of jawbreaker as a punch to me. I'd always thought it was like, I just feel like it was a song about a, the guy who's getting real mad. Yeah. He's like clenching his jaw so hard that it breaks. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get to the chorus and it reinforces that all the pressure that's been building up for all the years it bore the load. And then it says the cracks appear, the frame starts to distort. It's ready to explode. And all of these interpretations are equally as valid. You know, someone who's really angry and wants to fight all of that anger is building up. And then he just explodes. And then you have the other interpretation where from KK Downing's website, that the song is about, a priest fan defending the faith. Maybe it's someone who's been like bullied and made fun of, and they're just fucking fed up with it. And this time they're going to hit back against the bully or like that. Or it just could be the very sexually explicit version. So these lyrics, you could take them a lot of different places. Well, there is another thing, like when it comes to priest songs, like in seventies and eighties, I think I say that every time when every priest song comes, like especially for 80s and 70s and all that, when, you know, Margaret Thatcher and the other people in leadership or Tories, as we say, so they would like, they were closing down industries and all that. And that put young people in massive frustration. In Birmingham, where like this Halford and all of them are from mostly, that was an industrial town and people were being deprived of a lot of things they were they had before so this uh, most of their uh, songs from that era comes with that kind of rage against the system and all that and the fight between each other and stuff like that so i always think whenever a priest song comes that it might also be related to that because I, uh, think right. I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, because oh, I was going to say, like Margaret, Margaret Thatcher and uh, Ronald Reagan were very big proponents of neoliberal economics, where a lot of emphasis is put on individualism and having government as disinvolved with the economic sector as it can viably be. And what's really fascinating to me is like how hard those policies impact the poor and working classes and how fiercely they still support them regardless. Yeah. And the political climate of this era, if you aren't terribly familiar with it, it's not so dissimilar to the political climate of the UK and the US right now, where there's a huge struggle in the lives of middle and lower class people because of certain policies that have been implemented that have been really unfavorable towards them. But that's a whole nother story for sure. But, oh boy, but this is. is the that's the same sort of things that was going on when the members of Judas Priest were growing up. Mm. So some of that has to seep into lyrics, too. I'm glad you brought that up. Hattie. And Halfwolf so. wasn't uh, even into music. He was a sound engineer or something like that. And he was invited to sing in another band. 
And from there, he came to priest, like after Al Atkins had dropped out. That's right. Huh. Did not know that. Uh, Al Atkins, definitely a uh, blip on the radar for sure. Kind of like, who the fuck was the first singer for Iron Maiden? Oh, Paul Diano? Yeah, kind of like... Uh, no, Atkins is more of a blip. He didn't even yeah. get onto an album. Yeah, true. Really, yeah. yeah, but it's a, it's a kind of a weird thing, like, that, to think that there have actually been three vocalists for Priest, but, you know, kind of doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Al Atkins will get his due on this podcast. Yeah. I'm sure of that. All right, cool. All in Hope good time. So. I, I do think that there is context of lots of Priest lyrics that, like, people will miss because they're not from, like, England in that time period. Like, isn't uh, Electric Eye, like, really about, like, CCTV? Yeah, Electric Eye is is mm-hmm. about surveillance culture and right, right, right. In general, of course. Yeah, in general, that's going to be. I that's an episode I can't fucking wait to do. Is Electric Eye? Name any other song from 1982 that gets more relevant every single year. I dare you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. Like that song is actually like when you put the lyrics in the right context, it is chilling. True and. Same goes for Jawbreaker. So on that note, I think it's time to play the next bit of the song. Agreed. Holland's drumming is so tight on this song too. I think Defenders might have some of his best work. I think so too. I've seen some comments online saying the drum sound on Defenders is unforgivable and everyone's got their own taste, but that is not a stance I can get behind. Oh, absolutely he, not. Wait, people he is like- just he, it's kind of like we said about the riff at the very beginning. It's simple and it totally works for what it's supposed to do. And you can say the exact same about Holland's drumming here. He has some great strengths. He's really tight and he plays on time and he doesn't miss a beat. He's nailing it here. Dude, this song would be so much fucking worse if he was doing fills every four bars. Yeah, man. Like, like that if he was playing so way more technical. Agreed, agreed. This song works. Yeah, everything about about this song. this is like a perfect song it's like a very like there isn't so much going on like uh what am i trying to say i don't know it just needed to be it's good not, because it's not overload you know exactly like, this exactly. song you can't have every band member showing off at the same time you can't have someone playing a guitar solo and a drum solo at the same time yeah. while the bassist is noodling away with some and, the and you can't have singing. someone singing on top of that. <laughs> like no one would be able to process all that information in the audience. So you have to take a step back and give people their individual chance to shine. And Holland lets the guitars and vocals shine on this song by keeping it simple. This song 
does not do a lot, but it does what it does so well that it doesn't even matter. It doesn't need to be anything more than it is. It is so tight and focused and a song that just knows exactly what it's about. And everyone in the band knows exactly what they have to do. And it doesn't say or do a single thing more than it has to. And it gets the point across. Focused is a good word. Honestly. Yeah. So I think focused was a very good uh, adjective for the track. Three minutes and 26 seconds long. So I think you hit on a good point there. Like this song kicks you and makes you rock and it finishes up in a reasonable amount of time. It's a three minute song played in three minutes. Not a three-minute song played in six minutes. We'll say too that it's like a deceptively technical track. Like uh, the guitar playing and like the rhythms are like kind of tricky. The little like licks that go into the chorus, like I don't know. I can't like sing them very well because but because I suck at singing. But uh. Yeah, that's yeah, good little- shit, man that little chromatic progression they've got going there, dead in it, dead in it. Yeah. That part's fucking awesome. Yeah. And, uh, and then into the chorus riff too, like the, the rhythm of the chorus riff seems really easy and like headbangable, but it's like, it's like weirdly syncopated and, uh, it's got some like little fills in it that start on, on like the offbeat and stuff. Like it's a, it's a tricky little riff. And you know what else on the guitars that is all down picking. That's not alternate picking. Yeah, fuck dude. Yeah. yeah, that is all just like, dude, like that's one of the things that like makes like Metallica songs so fucking hard to play. It's not like like the fretting is not particularly intricate. It's the picking that gets you. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, like playing Master of Puppets, the way that it, they play it is it, it's a what it's a slog like to be down picking that entire friggin' song. Yeah. Yeah, man. You're right. All right. Lyrics, dudes. So, what do we got? Crouching in the corner, wound up as a spring, piercing eyes that flash are shimmering, muscles all contorted, claws dug in the dirt, every ounce of fiber on alert. And then it goes into the chorus a second time. So, they're keeping on the same themes. Now, clearly, this is Halford who's writing this, and you can tell there is the pent-up sexual frustration here. He was very much in the closet as a gay man. Obviously, his bandmates knew, and a lot of people in the industry knew. wasn't really a secret, but the fans didn't really know, and he couldn't really be out and open at that time because it was, unfortunately still something a lot of people looked down upon now you can kind of hear that when he says all the pressure that's been building up for all the years it bore the load and reading his biography has kind of reinforced that for me he's confessed that he didn't start getting laid until he was in his like 30s or so just because he couldn't find anyone to go with it was hard to meet other gay people and especially hard to meet a gay person who you could trust not to reveal your identity as a public figure. So I'm sure that he was very sexually frustrated, not being able to even have any sexual experiences until his thirties or maybe late twenties or something. Yeah. 
I mean, I think that with that background knowledge, I think that it's obvious what this song must be about, right? Yeah. That sort of frustration. I always a, per- bring, a personal frustration. I always bring this up too. There's like fans might not have known if they were straight, but any gay person that's seeing priests or listening to them and sees all the leather and spikes and whips is like, dude, I know where the fuck all that stuff is coming from. Like for them, it's like, it's like nine day. It's like, Oh, this dude's totally gay. But like all the other guys, like, you know, all the like cis het guys in the audience, like, yo, that bro must be getting laid. (laughs) I mean, watch heavy metal parking lot where they ask that one girl, what if you met Rob Halford? I'd jump his bones. (laughs) You would have (laughs) thought. Yeah. Oh man, it's that is a very funny clip. Like knowing what we know today, at the time, I'm sure it was like no one thought twice about it. But now it's like, wow, that didn't. And now well. we know how hilarious that is. <laughs> God, right. I, there was a guy who emailed us saying that he was at Heavy Metal Parking Lot when they recorded. We got to get that guy yeah. on here. Yeah, we got to get Rick soon. Yeah. Now I really am craving the instrumental passage in the middle. I think that's one of KK Downing's best guitar solos. Let's hear it. Let's go. fucking searing guitar solo now i think both of them solo there right the beginning part is glenn i believe and then on the like oh no kk picks it up there i think that that's all kk man and i can tell you why i think that is is because he's really leaning into the tremolo on that like he must have like just gotten a floyd rose installed on one of his guitars or something like that because you can't do that kind of also tremolo. True. yeah 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 you, you can't do that kind of tremolo work without um, a floyd rose or a kaler of some kind based on what i looked up it does look like it's all kk there okay 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 cool 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 yeah yeah man like but that that's... is like there's a lot of interesting work going on there because like you know eddie van halen at the time he was the guy who popularized the floyd rose tremolo and KK has always been a huge proponent of it. He still uses it very heavily on all of his guitars and all of his songs today. And at the time, that was like such a novel concept. You can really dig into that thing and do some insane dives on it. And your guitar simply does not come out of tune. And this was like right around the time when that was popularized as well, like the mm. early 80s. So, yeah. That makes sense. You're right. The the tremolo usage, certainly, I think you're right. The beginning of that is definitely KK, too. I mean, for me, that's the tell is like all the heavy tremolo use because like Tipton is a lot more um, reserved with how he uses his um, tremolo than Downing is. I think this is one of the solos, though, 
that can pass as the other guitarists. Cause sometimes yeah. you hear that, like sometimes you might hear a Glenn Tipton solo where he's really going off and throwing in tons of notes and you might think it's KK at first. And I think that's cool because for the most part, Tipton and Downing have two pretty different styles and they're distinct. But then occasionally you'll get a song like this where it shows, hey, you know what? We can play in each other's territory. So what do you think if I try it like Glenn? And Glenn will be like, oh, yeah, well, what what would you think if I tried to play something like Downing and Delivering the Goods? And that's sort of fun. Within Jawbreaker, it probably has one of the more melodic and clean sounding passages I've heard out of a Downing solo. Like I'm talking about this part here. But then, of course, right after that, he's got to remind you that he's KK. And then he throws in this. Dude, that like descending lick into the uh, like harmonics is so badass. It's so sick. Yeah, overall, man, I would say that this is a relatively high tier Judas Priest song. And it's not like a big name song or anything, but it's got all the stuff and it's doing a lot of things right. Mm. Yeah, you might say it hits all the right notes. (laughs) (laughs) Kyle, I, I, I can't express to you enough how much I appreciate that you get my sense of humor. (laughs) <laughs> why we're doing a podcast together tom <laughs> <laughs> i know like dude with you it goes without saying like because you're like my boy but like when like when strangers get it that like that's a it, it hits different <laughs> I, uh, well i would agree with you i think i would never turn my nose up at listening to this song you know what i mean i uh, i love this track it's fucking great yeah this was a good choice this is a this is a banger of a song just very 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 solid track off a solid album yes it is All right, let's play the last part. crazy ending totally absolutely so i love the chorus in the first and second instances of the song because the chorus starts with the tension rising and rising the pressure's building up for the years it bore the load and then it just ends with a very simple two or three syllables and he just sort of lets it go he lets the tension go in the first two instances but now the third and final chorus he is releasing 
all of it. Now he's just screaming at the top of his lungs. He's doesn't give a fuck anymore. Now he's just, he's really releasing every bit of tension. Dude, you're right. That's a good way. I think that's a good way to analyze it. He is going harder on the third chorus for sure. And those screams, you can't deny those. No, oh, they're no, so high. Not dude. at all. Like, especially at the end there, he is friggin' like this song starts strong and it ends strong. And like the energy and the tempo just doesn't change the entire time. That only increases, I feel like. Yeah. Like it doesn't slow down. Like it just, it maintains this intense energy throughout. Well, it's an interesting track because in the ways I feel like it's similar to the Sentinel, but it doesn't like you were just saying, uh, never lets up, never slows down. Doesn't have a part in the middle that like drops everything down a notch. Like, and then it's like the last chorus you were saying, Tom, just like she's screaming and screaming. And then at the end, like the guitar part gets more technical and has more arpeggios than like ever before in the track, you know, it just like goes crazier and crazier. It's yeah, a yeah, yeah. dope song. I love this one. So good, man. <laughs> it is mad good. I have to agree. And like I said, it's a little bit of an under the radar choice because it hasn't gotten a ton of attention from the band on the live scene. They played it on the defenders tour and then they kept it in the vault until 2014 or 15 when they were touring on the back of Redeemer of Souls and Richie Faulkner was still pretty new in the band, but this was one of the heavier tracks that he requested to go back in the set. And I think Rob Halford was more than happy to oblige him on that because Rob Halford played this song quite a bit during his solo career. Like he had his own songs, of course, but he also did a lot of Priest covers because if you're going to go see Halford live, you want that. And Jawbreaker was one of the songs he did a lot when he was solo. So I think Halford has a pretty strong love for this song too. That's so interesting. I did not know that. We have to cram in as many nerd details as we can in order oh, to justify our show. existence. <laughs> yeah, that's what I love the show for. Thank you. Dude, that's so cool. I wonder if that's why, uh, I mean, you're right. It makes it more clear and more obvious, like what the what the song is about mm-hmm. and everything like that. Here's a question, like, and though it's not germane to today's subject, if you could hear a song that Priest has not played before, or hasn't played in a long time, what do you think that song would be? Ooh, good one. And this is for all of you, by the way. For everyone. Okay. Who wants to go first? You got one in mind, Tom? I don't just yet. You might have to give me just... Not. I feel like there's a lot of really good tracks that they just like probably don't play. But also, I'm not like insanely well-versed with their live sets, so I don't know. For me, it'd be uh, probably Nightcrawler. Very good choice. Agreed. Thank you, thank you. Hattie, what about you? I'm not sure if whether do I want Savage or Living Bad Dreams. Oh, It'd be either. Savage would be cool. Lord, I love the song. And Living Bad Dreams is the only track from Painkiller I don't like. <laughs> I'm sorry to say, I know. 
<laughs> like that's it's a, a good song. A, a, I like that song. It's a good bonus track. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you give something a little bit of a kinder brush when it's a bonus track. If yeah. it was on the album, I don't know if it would have hold up against all the other ripping painkiller mm. songs. Well, that's kind of like, you know, when we did our episode about Race with the Devil, the reason that song is, if that was like just like thrown in with the album, it would kind of be weird and jarring. And I don't know if I'd appreciate it as much, but because it's a bonus track, it's like a nice little treat at the end of a five star meal. Yeah, I, I kind of like goes that. For like most bonus tracks, like, yeah. uh, you know, Prisoner of I. It, it was yeah. also like bonus, right? It's different from what Spring, Spring for Vengeance is like. So I think there's they're very left pattern. field. Yeah. Those bonus tracks are always left field, and that's kind of what's interesting about them. I think we yeah. should do another one sometime soon, but hey, uh, that's for another episode. So, Kyle, you brought up before that Jawbreaker is a fast song, not as fast as Freewheel, but it's pretty fast. But the live version from 84 that's even faster so i think i know it's fucking awesome i think we gotta <laughs> we gotta at least play a little bit of that and just Please. comment on how it works in that sort of setting technically the beat the the tempo marking of the song might be uh faster than free will burning but i think the way that they like feel the the subdivision i think they play faster if that makes sense like they're playing at 250 BPM as opposed to 190. I'm just looking at some tabs right now. Anyway. Yeah, man, listen, we respect the hell out of you for actually being able to read music, which is something that we cannot. Yeah, I I don't know how to Me read either. at all, so. <laughs> Here's Jawbreaker Live, everyone. drum beat is completely different like it's something that moves a lot speedier so weird they're yeah, actually and... playing so fast that at one point it almost feels like they're playing 16th notes but like they're just like like all that down picking it's like they come out of sync just a little bit for like a fraction of a second you can make out the difference and like they're striking notes like almost in between each other. It's so fucking fast. It's badass. Yeah. Also, it's funny to me that they uh, that they use the. It's very eighties to play with slapback delay like uh, on your guitar like that. I think it's funny that they're probably in this massive room and they also have slapback delay. Um, so what is out. what is slapback delay? I'm not familiar. Just like uh, you take like a delay pedal and you set the time like really short and you set the delay like just slightly quieter than you pick. It's just kind of like a like it's like a slapback. Like if uh, 
like if you're in like a concrete four by four room uh and you play the guitar really fast like it's gonna slap back off of walls at you that makes uh, sense oh so, gotcha all right yeah I understand. just that little sound i suppose kind of echoey it's like that had like in 80s kind of music right yeah big mm-hmm. be- people are still big on that like you i hear like a lot of like um tape echo when you do our um like when people do guitar solos they like to add like that little um echo effect it does add a certain sort of gravitas to the whole thing i would say so you raise a great point there i have my moments yeah well no you too Addy. that was uh that was definitely something that is part of the sound so mm. give you credit for that one for real i wonder if they still do that i, I wonder so. if they uh, like they don't play the song live, right? They haven't since like 2014, 2015. Yeah, it was just for that one 2014, 2015 tour. You can definitely see the performance live at Vakken Festival. Like Kyle said before, they play it actually a tad bit slower. I think it's a little more of a mid-tempo stompy kind of rhythm where Halford sort of gets to characterize and play around with the delivery a little more. So that works a little bit to the benefit of it being slowed down. Realistically, maybe it was also slowed down for the benefit of Glenn Tipton, who was progressing with his illness, sadly. Also true. Yeah. Was that a few years after he'd been diagnosed with Parkinson's at that point? Yes, it was after he was diagnosed, but before he went public with it. Gotcha. Yeah. So, you know, you can already start to tell, like, the performance is not quite as tight. So. God, great. Damn. Now I feel like a fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we man. get to feel like fucking assholes all the time on this show. So we're really part of the crew now, Kyle. <laughs> yeah. oh, man. It's still it's good fucking... being slower, might I add. And yeah. it's good on the album. And it's good faster on the 1984 live version. And I think I once heard someone make the comparison that, like, if you went to a jazz club and you watched some of the artists who are regular performers there, then you'll start to see that when they're jamming and stuff, they could play so many different versions of the same song. They know how to make it slower and slow it down a little. They know how to speed up a song a little bit and do these variations and like try to keep the same song fresh by working on it and doing these variations of it. So in that sense, you know, you can get away with that in rock and metal by doing these different interpretations in the live setting. And to us as listeners who have heard these songs over 200 times, sometimes that's the real value of live versions. You can hear it a little differently. You can switch things up and refresh a song that you might be a little sick of. Yeah, I 100% agree with you on that. Where did the slowed down version of Diamonds and Rust come from? Speaking of songs that there's like a different version of there's the slow version and then there's the fast version where did that slow version come from oh good question you know they said they wanted to try out a version that was a little closer to the original joan baez version and make it into a kind of a ballad that the crowd could sing along with gotcha believe it or not that started in the ripper owens era interesting really It did, and it's on one of those live albums he did. Yeah, that's where I first heard it. And then the Halford reunion happened, and he came back and did it better, of course. (laughs) 
You know, it's it's so weird to me that they play like take these chains and they play uh what what song were we just talking about? <laughs> Diamonds and Rust. Oh. Oh yeah, Diamonds and Rust. And they like they have all these like, different versions and shit, but then they don't play Jawbreaker. It's like what? Yeah. What, what are you doing? Yeah, give me some good dick sucking music, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. Like I get two versions of Diamonds and Rust. I don't get one version of Jawbreaker. What the fuck? <laughs> all right i mean diamonds and rust is also like that's one of my faves so let's take these chains but uh oh dude i forgot to say this i wanted to say this i played the guitar the acoustic that uh some heads are gonna roll and take these chains off was uh they were both written on that guitar my friend knows really? it really that is so cool it's so rad dude, dude uh, like, Halligan Jr. he's like a cool dude man yeah, I want to get Mr. Bob Halligan. I've uh, asked my friend to hit him up. So it's like uh, it's like his mother and father's neighbor. It's like Bob Halligan. Wow. Yeah, and uh, he just like Bob like gave my friend his my, my friend's name is Scoops. He he records on death. He's like the our engineer. He uh, yeah, Bob Halligan gave him that guitar. It's fucking nice. It's just a nice ass acoustic. I can't remember what the model is now. I'm trying to find a picture of it, but like, Martin, but uh, yeah, uh, he's written so many songs on that fucking guitar. He said that he's written like thirty thousand songs or some shit on it. How is that fucking possible to write thirty thousand songs? Yeah, I can't. That's gotta be way too many. There's no that's, way, dude. There's that has to be an exact dude. No, he's written twenty nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine songs. Oh, now. okay, that makes more sense. <laughs> How? Hey, Kyle, I got a question for you, dude. All right. I don't know if Undeath is the kind of band that plays covers, because I know you have so much great original material, but what do you think if you had to pick out one Priest tune to bust out live, even if it's a one-time thing, like some hometown show for fun, what Priest tune would you really want to jam live? Dude, I have thought about this a lot. And it's so hard to say because a lot of my favorite songs are the more toony songs. And like to do a death metal cover, you need a song that isn't necessarily all about only the vocal melody, right? That's I think that's why like the Dissident Aggressor Slayer cover works so well because the vocal part is really only like one note. Yeah. So, uh, dude, it's so difficult to say. I really honestly think Jawbreaker could be a good candidate. Like you can just do like what Slayer did and I'm like, Jaw like slide up and play that note on the guitar or something yeah sure. word. and you can also definitely growl out those lyrics because yeah. they are brutal yeah. enough and the rest of the song is certainly has a dark atmosphere yeah and I, I don't i don't think that the vocal melody in the verse is what makes it you know it's like it's just like kind of there anyway so george showed me recently this album on youtube that is heavy metal cover of like really famous pop songs and they're all flawlessly executed but one thing that they did and maybe this is an idea is they supplement because you know obviously when you are doing fry screaming you can't articulate as well as you can when you're clean singing so they just substitute the vocal harmonies with guitar leads and it's they pulled it off so well i think that could definitely be a way to make it work for sure depends on the song too but yeah 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 i'd love to Maybe white heat, red hot too. <laughs> I don't know. Well, as long as it, it, it can as, work. As long as it, as long as it is in um, what, what was that fucking song we did with um, from, Wild uh, Night? Yeah, uh, yeah crazy. Hot, crazy days. <laughs> no thanks. No, please not that one, guys. I had a freaking blast hanging with all of you today. I just want you all to know that Kyle, that was a good time. You, 
We have loved having you on. This has been a lot of fun. Would you like to plug your pluggables? Oh, sure, sure, sure. Well, you can find almost everything you need to know uh, on undeathmetal.com. And uh, it's got links to our socials and music and stores or whatever. You can find me on Instagram, Kyle underscore bing bong bing bong. Awesome. Nice. And of course, listeners will have the links to that stuff right in the episode description of whatever app you're using right now. That's also where you're going to find the links to us. If you want to write us in on email, Twitter, have at us. Tell us what you think about Jawbreaker and tell us that we're just a bunch of pervs who are finding hidden sexual meanings that don't exist. (laughs) Or tell us that we're awesome for going all the way down the sexual rabbit hole. (laughs) About this episode, have at us. Oh, and thank you, Hattie, for being with us for your first episode. It's great to have you on board. Yes. I'm so glad to be here. Listeners, Hattie is our editor slash producer slash third team member, and we'll get her full Judas Priest story in a future episode because she will definitely be doing more with us. Sure. Kyle, we're definitely going to send the listeners home with an on death song so what do you want us to play at the end of this episode dude oh my gosh let's play rise from the grave word i'm down buddy all right and thank you again kyle send us out all right metal gods fans and listeners stay locked in and keep defending the faith
I mean, I'll cut out however much bullshitting we do. Unless it's good bullshitting, then it stays in. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, to be fair, most of our bullshit comes out pretty good. Our bullshit is better than other people's, like, legitimate stuff. Our bullshit <laughs> is better than their content. There we go. That's true. I would agree with that. Someone who has anxiety issues like me does not do well with all that much caffeine, so. Dude, I went to see The Thing in theaters with my girlfriend the other day, my girlfriend Lily, and I got some edibles, speaking of anxiety. Yeah. Dude, half the, not half, most of the time you get edibles, the the milligram dosage on there is fake. It's like <laughs> way higher than they actually are. Oh, for sure. Dude, I was like psychedelically stoned at the theaters. I had to leave. I was like, Lily, like, we got to go home. I'm Jeez. freaking out right now. Wait, what, what movie did you see? <laughs> the Thing. The John Carpenter is The Thing. Oh, yeah. my experience. God. Dude, it was so early in the movie, too. Like, they killed the dogs. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm having a panic attack right now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I remember years ago, me and a buddy of mine, we were we um had this idea in our heads that we we're gonna get really high and watch the human centipede. Oh, and scary, dude. We thought that we were just gonna like make fun of this movie the whole time and laugh. And I don't think either one of us said a single word throughout the entire movie. I wasn't there, but I remember that story. Yeah, we got yeah. we got real high and watched Hereditary. Oh, that was a fucked movie. That was so much that fun. So scary. That's one of my favorite movies, actually. And it's funny because Payman is one of like me and Ashley's patron deities. So, like, we fucks with Payman pretty hard. And that movie, I remember me and George watched it. I was never so fucking scared or like thrilled in my entire life. And ever since that day, I have just been chasing the high movies, dude. Movies don't scare me anymore. You got to upgrade to horror video games because yeah. then you're like all zoned oh, in and you can get even yeah. more scared, Tom. Oh, I'm a scaredy cat, dude. I uh, Hereditary, I've seen it. Very scary. I have a tree nut allergy too. That movie freaked me out. Oh, God. <laughs> so like that hits extra close to home then. Yeah, I was just like, dude, I've been there. I've eaten the cake at, at a party and been like, ugh. Uh, gotta man. go to the hospital. Someone give me a ride to the hospital now. Sorry yeah. to be a buzzkill, guys. Yeah, Sorry, really. Sorry I want to jab like, this EpiPen in my butt cheek right now. <laughs> so I, I'm really sorry that I'm allergic to fun, but like, did you also stick your head out the window and have your head unceremoniously removed? Thankfully, you've never been decapitated before. That's good. Uh, knock on wood. Yeah, I can. Uh, <laughs> if you were, you could write a song about it from experience. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. And you, Kyle Beam can be the first person to like survive decapitation. <laughs> Oh my god, that would be okay. crazy! I think decapitation no, survivor returns again. There's like the beginning of something in an undeath song in, in this whole concept. There's I think something. you're right. I think you're right. It could be like I'm pretty sure it counts as decapitation when like your uh, your head doesn't necessarily have to come off, but like if your spine and neck are severed, oh, like god. here, I think that counts as decapitation. Yo, hard pass. <laughs> so your spine and neck are severed, but your head's still attached, so it's flopping around. Oh, just yeah, take my head all the way off at that point. Yeah.